for me, I, my biggest uh, fear is like getting to the end of my life or just getting deeper into life and having any type of regret in terms of, man, I wish I tried that thing. I wish I took that risk. Um, because for me, either, you know, fail or you learn, or if you fail, you're learning. So there's, if you look at it that way, there's really no failing, right? Cause if you fail at something, you learn and you get better from it. And the, you just look at all the most successful people and they all are candid and say, oh, I failed so many times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Moeller Real Estate and Business Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Moeller, and on this podcast, we will be interviewing guests that have made their mark in real estate, in business, and in other areas of life. Listening to podcasts myself has helped me in so many different ways and continues to do so. If you're a real estate investor or an entrepreneur or aspiring to be either, or just someone that wants to learn, you've come to the right place. An easy way to have an impact is to share this episode with friends or family, provide a review, or just spread the word. We greatly appreciate it, and now let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Moeller Real Estate and Business Podcast. I'm excited for today's guest, Jake Rosenthal from sunny San Diego. How are you doing today, Jake? What's going on, Phil? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this. You're, you always haven't always been in San Diego. You just, I know you just moved there recently. We'll get into that. But just to introduce Jake to our audience. So Jake is just a 30 years old, but was in a tech sales job until I think June of 2023. Um, a pretty high earning W-2, but while he was there over the, the prior couple of years, he was buying single family homes in some luxury short-term rentals, and he had a lot of success, built up some cash flow, and he was able to leave his W-2. So we're going to get into that. Um, he's also, he was in tech sales, so he knows a lot about sales, sales processes, sales funnels, and we can talk about that a little bit and how he leverages that in his real estate, both in, both in the past and moving forward. So I'm kind of excited to get into these different topics to Jake. So are we ready? I'm ready, Phil. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, Jake, why don't you just step us through maybe the last five years or so of your career in real estate journey and your thought process and kind of actions you took to be able to leave your job by the time you were 30 years old? Sure. Yeah. So I would say exactly about, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, I'd say it's around the 2017 time range. Um, I was in tech sales. I was working in, in Southern California at the time. So in between now and then I, I moved back East, which is where I'm from, where I'm originally from. Uh, but a guy I was working with in, in tech sales, he was buying houses. And I was like, what do you mean you're buying houses? Cause I knew he was a, you know, pretty good rep, but in my mind at the time, uh, like a lot of people, I thought buying a house was a, a huge thing to do. So I'm like, how do you have the money to buy a house? So go on buying single family houses, I think in the Midwest. Um, and they were like 20 K a pop and he was making, or maybe 40 K a pop. Um, and he was making all this cash flow, and he was just kind of walking me through it. So he was, sorry, he was putting down, I think 20 K. Okay. Pop. Yeah. Um, I and, would say uh, Jake, the Midwest is not that expensive, but to buy for 20 K is, uh, that's tough to find. I don't know what areas they are, but anyway, keep going. Totally. So, uh, one thing led to another as kind of stepping through his process. And he said, just rich, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is, a, I think is how a lot of people's journey starts. Read that book in a day. And I feel like I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't finish a lot of books. I'll start a lot of books. <laughs> I'll skim through a lot of books. I'll hop around. But in terms of picking up a book, finishing it, 
doesn't happen often. And I flew through this book and a light bulb went off and I was like, man, I, uh, I see the light. I mean, I got to cut down on my expenses. I got to pick up assets and one thing led to another. And I bought a whole lot of real estate over the next, uh, five years. I think, first of all, I mean, that book and the impact it's had, it's a little purple book. It's right uh, there. I actually have another copy over there. Like I'll give them out to people if they ask. It's regardless of where you are in your financial journey, whether you're 25 or 45 or whatever it might be, just it's a very different thought process to what is taught maybe in traditional education. But when you read it, it makes all the sense in the world. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely once you get more into real estate, it's, it doesn't talk about in-depth real estate concepts, but it's a Correct. mindset shift. Yep. So it's a super powerful book. So you read it and it shifted your mindset. It sounds like, and it got you moving in that direction. Yep. hundred percent. I, uh, I had the opportunity shortly thereafter. I got a, a promotional offer, uh, back East. So as an inside sales, uh, role at that point, I think I was around 24 years old. Um, and enterprise sales role came, came open, but it was back east. It was in the Philadelphia area. And if you had asked me, you know, six months before, I was like, I'm never leaving Southern California. I love it here. But the job promotion, which was a huge level up in my career, everyone else in that in that role was, you know, 35 years or older. And I was, you know, 25 at the time or 24 at the time. Um, along with my newfound passion for real estate, uh, made it a no-brainer because Phil uh in Philadelphia a house is a heck of a lot cheaper than hmm. in Southern California. So it enabled me to uh, buy some investment properties, which would have been much more difficult to do in, in Southern California. That's awesome. And before, I, I wasn't thinking about going down this path, Jake, but you talked about your job promotion. And I think so many people, there, there's a lot of people that they love what they do and that's fantastic. And there's maybe people that are doing roles, but they're like, man, I'm, I'm entrepreneurial or I want to do something different. And what I tell them is, whatever you're doing, go all in a hundred percent, like give it your effort and learn as much as you can. And I think that happened to you or I suspect because sales as a path, you're really good at sales. Now it helps you a lot in your different real estate related businesses, but you learn that by hustling at your job. Is that right or not? Yeah, for sure. I had the opportunity of doing what's called a co-op. I went to Northeastern University in Boston and basically it's a five-year program and you uh, do up to two to three co-ops during that those five years and it's full-time internships. You take six months off from school altogether, zero courses, work full-time. I did my first one in sales and instantly fell in love. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is perfect for all my strengths. I love the energy. I love the buzz. I love the upside in uh, money you can make. It was like the perfect thing for me. So I've yep. never been a standard W-2 guy. I always thought, hey, I'm going to start my own business, run my own business. But once I saw sales, I think that is, I strongly believe sales is the closest thing you can get to running your own business while still having a W-2. You're pretty much running a franchise uh, within the corporation. Cause you're, you're, yeah, you, you're pretty much your own boss and the upside is uncapped. If you and I, th the right I think, I think, I mean, just on the sales topic, if you're in a sales role, hopefully there's a compensation compensation structure at the company that allows you to basically be limitless in a way. Like, you know, you, you, uh, you eat what you kill, right? hundred percent. And for anyone who's considering a sales role, don't, 
just frankly speaking, because I'm a straight shooter, don't take a role that's not on cap. That's a bad role. And that's the standard in the industry. So I know a few companies probably do do capped roles and it's just you're shooting yourself in the foot. So um, awesome. Well, I want to go back to, okay, so you, you read the book, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. You got this promotion. So kind of around the same time frame, you moved back east to Philadelphia. Then you were just mentioning that, okay, real estate in Philadelphia, like the, the light bulb went on, it's not as expensive as it is on the West Coast. So what, what came next? Sure. So I uh, bought my first property site uh, unseen actually back in Philadelphia. Uh, so bought that property. It was a triplex uh, and, um, bought that property. And then, uh, when we moved back, I actually bought a house hack as well. Another triplex. So lived in, lived in one of the units and the other two units completely paid for my living. I think I was actually cash flowing a couple hundred bucks on top of it. So really quickly, I cut down on a bunch of expenses. I sold off my Jeep, um, just started living way below my means in a lot of sense. I started going out to eat less all these different things. And then on top of that, I cut out my biggest expense, which was my rent. Not only that, but I bought a place that now started cash flowing. So I was getting paid to live there and then bought another investment property that was also cash flowing. So things took a quick 180 and I started stacking my chips really, really fast uh, after making those two moves. And I think what's, what's really interesting is depending on kind of your age and phase that you're in in your life if you're younger maybe not married or or married but no kids and you're even if you have a, a child if you're willing to house you call it house hack but buy a duplex triplex maybe a quad live in one unit and rent the others out first of all you're going to learn a lot about real estate through that process but you're also going to get the other benefits of getting your rent paid for and probably market appreciation principal pay down and other things from real estate Exactly. Yep. So once you did those two properties, what do you like, were those within a couple of months and what happened over the next year or two? Yeah, those were in a couple, within a couple of months of each other. Um, and they were actually on the same street, um, which was funny. And I think that's like a comfort thing. When you first start out in real estate, I was living in one, I saw another triplex and it was a good deal actually, but I knew the market well which is another important thing. I yep. knew that market so well that I was like, that's a good deal. Yep. Um, and I jumped on it same day, but being on the same street and just, you know, managing myself, there's a comfort thing with that. Uh, so bought those ones uh, fast, um, bought another uh, multifamily, small multifamily in Philadelphia. So now quickly I had uh, three properties and I bought that third one from just stacking the chips on the first two, right? Living below my means, house hacking, saving all this money. Um, so quickly, quickly had those three properties and then, um, and then, and then came the short term. Okay. Yeah. Style, I was just going to switch shifted, there. Shifted to everything. And what, 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 first of all, what was the goal when you started real estate? Was it, okay, yes, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, financial freedom, all these buzz, buzzwords. Like what, what were you thinking? And then also what made you shift from long-term rentals to short-term rentals? Yeah, sure. So the the original goal was, as I mentioned, after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I, I light bulb just kind of went off. I was enjoying sales at the time and I was all in on sales still, but something kind of went off my head where I'm like, I don't want to be fully dependent on my job. I did not like that idea. I wanted to start building other 
income sources to give myself the freedom if I ever chose, hey, I don't want to be doing this anymore or just not be single threaded, right? I, I think it it's a mistake for anyone to be single threaded in their income sources because it just puts so much pressure on yourself, right? Like if you lose your job or something happens and you don't have reserves, you don't have another income source, you're just screwed. So that was a big component as well. Um, and then, yeah, the, uh, the short-term rentals, Phil, uh, came from a, a connection of mine. He was doing short-term rentals at the time. I, I, you know, everything in the, you know, the mainstream podcasting world and real estate world is like short-term rentals are super risky, which if they, they are candidly, if you get into the wrong market, because a lot of these markets, they don't work as a long-term rental. Like yep. you'll be losing money as long-term rental. Uh, but as a short-term rental, it's beautiful because you're getting in these really hot markets that are high in appreciation. Plus you're making, you know, upwards of you know five to 10 X the cash flow. Um, and there's a ton of tax benefits that come with uh, short-term rentals that uh, don't necessarily come with long-term rentals. So once I started seeing that and I knew the, the connection of mine was very trustworthy guy, kind of just walking through it a little bit. I was like, all right, I'm going to dip my toe in this. So I actually dipped my toe in the same market that he was in because he already had the network and the infrastructure built out. And the first one was a total home run. And uh, yeah, then I, I shifted everything over. Once I got a taste. And just to stay on short-term rentals for a little bit, because I know we've talked about this in the past, but you have a theory on the difference between buying a short-term rental in a market with a management company versus managing yourself. And there's, there's a couple elements of this. One is the income and well, really there's three elements, income expenses and taxes. So maybe talk us through all three of those, if you don't mind, I'm sorry. I apologize for asking like the two and three part questions. I'm just testing you here, Jake, to see how you do. But income <laughs> impact, on my toes. expense impact, and then the tax implications of self-management versus hiring out. Sure. So I think I'm a big proponent in um, outsourcing where you can. I don't think that uh, short-term rentals are something to outsource, um, at least the operational standpoint. I think you can build a team around it, and I'll get into that in a second. But at a really high level, you go... You buy short-term rental and you think, oh yeah, I'm going to just offload this to a, a property manager. Huge mistake. And here's why, in my opinion. Sh these short-term rental management companies take anywhere from like 20 to 30%. So an extraordinarily high amount off the gross income. Now, it gets worse. They're not even going to make as much, nearly as much gross income as you are if you're doing it correctly. So all of a sudden, let's just say your property is going to gross uh, $200,000 if you were managing it. If they're managing it, it could easily be grossing 130 k now. And not only that, they might be taking 25% of that 130 k Right. So it's your, your profit could be cut down by like 60 or 70%. It, it, it really could. And the expenses is easy to understand because you take the 20 or 30% off the management fee. Quite frankly, some places, like there's a ski town I've, we've looked at places, they take 50%, five <laughs> zero off of it. So it's it's really hard to justify, but the income why why can you get 200k when the management company can only get 130k 150k whatever that number would be why can you get more? So there's a couple reasons. The first one is I I consider myself to be a, re a really good operator. So I went deep on educating myself before I jumped into the game um, and made it an obsession to learn every nook and cranny of this game, uh, podcast books, the whole nine yards. 
Uh, so by the time I jumped in, I felt like I knew a lot and I learned a lot more. I was naive in that sense, but I did educate myself and those things just kept snowballing. Um, but so I, I think I'm a really, really good operator in terms of the houses I buy, how that, how I set them up, how I price them, how I market them, um, building up my reviews, the pictures, all of those things. Um, that's number one. The next reason, Phil, is that nobody's going to care about your house as yep. much as you do yep. or your business for that matter, right? Yep. It's uh, these people, they're managing 50, 100, 200 houses. You're just a number, right? Like, so if your place is good, sure, it's going to book, but they're not going to go above and beyond to, to do those other things that you would do. Yep. Well, that's good stuff. So yeah, I think just to, to bring home that point, so you can get 20, 30, 40% more in gross revenue by self-managing it because you're going to do a better job of sales, marketing, you can educate yourself, but also you're going to care more. And then in addition, you're, ta you're not taking the 20 to 30% expense of the management fee off it. So your net impact on your like operating income is going to be possibly two, three X more than what it would be uh, if, if it was hired out. Now, of course, that comes with the time and investment of it. So I get that there's a balance there and that might be dependent on your strategy, your stage of life, like what you're trying to do. But the third benefit that I brought up is the tax benefits of, of, of short-term rentals in general. What, can you give us a high level summary of that? I know you're not a CPA. So for all, for all of our listeners, check with your accountant, make sure you're following all the rules, but tell us about that a little bit. Absolutely, Phil. And one last thing, just to finish off the the last point, I do think there's an opportunity in a happy medium, which I just switched over to, yep. which is you're self-managing. You get to a point where you really know what you're doing, and then you bring on a VA to do all the guest communication and all the stuff that you built out. So I got to know it well enough and got to a point where I built out all the SOPs, hired a really solid VA, so now they're just a replica of me, right? Because I outlined all my processes super clear, all my responses, all the Q and A's, and it was a huge pain in the ass, Phil. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm sure you've created SOPs and Loom videos before, but you do it once. You're like, I'm writing this out and this is the last time I'm going to do that. Sure, yep. you're going to answer some questions, but that's been a game changer. So now I feel like I have the best of both worlds. I'm not doing a whole lot. I'm overseeing the pricing strategy and that type of thing but I'm still self-managing. I'm not paying the fee and I'm still making just as much revenue as I was. So I feel like that's the happy medium. And I, I think that was an important, I think you have to self-manage first to know how to do that though. Yep. You got to, you got to start there. Um, <clears throat> so the tax benefits. Yes. So it is one of the only sanctioned ways really outside of giving to charity, um, which I recommend everyone does as well, but um, to save uh, when you have your W2. Uh, so there's a couple of different ways to do it. There's a short-term rental uh, tax loophole, and I forget the exact name of it. Um, and then you can also uh, claim real estate professional status if your spouse isn't working. It's really, really difficult, Phil, to claim real estate professional status if you're working a full-time W-2. Not impossible, but highly challenged by the IRS. Yep. Um, because you have to prove you're working more on the real estate than your W-2, and it's just very challenging. But the 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 good way to do it is if you're if you're married let's say your wife is a stay-at-home mom Correct. or maybe just works a couple hours a week on something she can be the real estate professional she's the one managing the properties all that stuff and the tax benefits are incredible you can actually offset your w2 income taxes and you know capital gains the whole nine yards you can offset 
by buying short-term rentals, taking the accelerated depreciation, bonus depreciation, that type of thing. And it's, they're massive. And I massive think, benefits. I just think you, you mentioned earlier, maybe rent might've been your largest expense, but for a lot of people, taxes is their largest mm-hmm. expense. I've said this on prior episodes. So, so apologize for repeating myself here, but um, it is important to understand taxes and as it relates to your personal situation and ask your CPA or accountant a lot of questions and figure out ways to just lessen that burden in a completely legal way. But there's, there's a lot of ways to do that. And there's a lot of resources and people that you can leverage to, to figure that out for yourself. Just as a sidebar, my CPA is looking into buying a short-term rental himself. So that should speak to the, to the audience that um, there's clearly tax benefits associated with it. Absolutely. And 100, 100% bonus appreciation might be coming back, which, it, is, which is huge. Yes, we're, we're, we're definitely watching closely. So this is being um, recorded in February of 2024. And I think it passed the House, but it's in the Senate right now, if I understand correctly. But we'll definitely be paying attention to that ourselves because it could impact 2023, how much bonus depreciation and certainly 2024. So good stuff. Well, so you bought the, you bought, you got into short-term rentals and I know it went well because we're talking today and you, you're out in sunny, sunny San Diego. So what did that lead to? How many short-term rentals do you have today? And kind of where do you see yourself going from here? Yeah, sure. So four luxury short-term rentals, and then I have my primary home here in San Diego and one, uh, one multifamily, small multifamily left in, uh, in Philadelphia, um, and those those uh, those properties are pro- providing enough cash flow for me to not have to work the W two anymore. Um, I have some solid reserves, um, but yeah, making enough cash flow where I'm covering a hundred percent of my expenses and then some. So what was um, that? Sorry, what was that process like? I know you, I think you left your job um, about nine or ten months ago. Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you? What I mean, talk, talk us through that. Yeah. So I, uh, a couple factors played into it. Um, I was at a company called Snowflake, uh, Snowflake IPO'd. Uh, so I was in a fortunate position to get some stock options there. Um, and, and those stock options and the, the money I made from the stock options definitely accelerated uh, my real estate journey. So I was already doing buying properties and stuff well before that. Um, and I, I would have gotten to where I am today, but you know, those funds candidly, they, they poured gasoline on the fire and just kind of accelerated things faster. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was, uh, that was a, a really important, um, step in, in, in that journey. So what, what, um, like, what did you intend to do when you left your W-2? Like, were you like, okay, I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to relax. Mm-hmm. I know you moved to San Diego since then. What was your thought process on what you wanted to do or had planned to do after leaving your job? Sure. Yeah. So once I was uh, fully vested with those stock options at, at Snowflake, I kind of built out the passive income over here on the right uh, from those short-term rentals. I felt really good about you know the, the amount of reserves I had, the income coming in, and I had a couple ideas, Phil, about what I wanted to do. I think I wanted to acquire a business, start a business, something entrepreneurial. But candidly, I didn't have it all figured out. I, I just said, hey, I know that I want to go do my own thing. 
And I had been doing some thinking and had some rough ideas what I wanted to do, but I, I felt like, hey, I don't need to have the exact roadmap. And that's kind of how I, I live life. I'd rather just take action and then reevaluate things as I get to that next step. Because you can think all day long, hey, I know what it's going to be like when I get to that step, but you don't know until you're there. So I was just like, let me let me leave. Let me kind of pursue some of these different avenues that I've been thinking about. And then I will see where things are at and, and take it one step at a time. And honestly, the other thing you said earlier about short-term rentals is you talked about taking action, but you talked about like networking with other people that were in the short-term rental space and trusting them. You talked about education, just studying the heck out of short-term rentals before jumping in. So I, I appreciate, like I'm, I'm, I can be different where I really evaluate and analyze things and think them through probably too much. But at the end of the day, you have to take action. And quite frankly, if you can supplement action with education, just whatever one comes first, I think they both work as long as you do both. You can't do one without the other. I mean, if you take action, you'll probably get an education versus reading about one, which is, which can be good long-term as long as you don't take detrimental action. But either way, education and action put together, I, I think can be really powerful. Totally agreed. I think you need a combination of the two. And what I've realized though, is you reach a point for sure where you're just continuing to educate yourself. And once you feel like you have a pretty good foundation, it's now time to take action. I know a lot of people that just continue educating, continue educating, reading that next book, listening to that next podcast, and I'll be totally honest, Phil, I think that's an excuse. I think that, you know, folks who are doing that are scared to take action that, oh, I need more info. I need more info. No more info is going to, is going to do it. You need to take action and learn. And then you can always go back, right? Like, I feel like a lot of the things when I'm in education phase, a lot of the things I realized didn't really resonate with me. And then when I go take action, I'll, go, I'll come revisit some of those yep. podcasts, those books, like six months later, I'm like, wow, that now this is like really makes sense, right? It needs and to it be a cycle of both. It can't be, totally. again, it can't be one or the other. It needs to be a cycle of both. And I agree. Look, fear, fear is, fear is an important thing to understand, I think. And like, it's, it's slowed me down, but it's just important to understand at the end of the day, like fear for me, the phrase I kind of like fear, regret, not failure is what I like. I needed these phrases or things to get me over the hump to take that action. So there is different personal personality types. And I think certain pe personalities allow fear to just hold them back too much sometimes. But that's why I say fear, regret, not failure. The other phrase is what will I wish I had done today, five years from now. And at, when you think about those things, it gets you to take that action. Couldn't agree more. I mean, for me, I, my biggest uh, fear is like getting to the end of my life or just getting deeper into life and having any type of regret in terms of, man, I wish I tried that thing. I wish I took that risk. Um, because for me, either, you know, fail or you learn, or if you fail, you're learning. So there's, if you look at it that way, there's really no failing, right? Cause if you fail at something, you learn and you get better from it. And the, you just look at all the most successful people and they all are candid and say, Oh, I failed so many times. I went back, a lot of them say they went back to $0 in net worth multiple times, which is wild. Right. It's, uh, the, the, they're, they were worth like $30 million, $40 million. They went back to $0, some of them even in debt, but now they're, you know, billionaires or, you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's because they were willing to take those big risks. And I, I just don't think, don't be reckless. 
but I think there you need to introduce an element of risk into the decisions you make if yep. you really want to hit it big in wealth. It's just a necessity. You, yep. There needs to be some risk you take on. I love it, man. That's good stuff. Well, I want to talk about another element that I think you've been thinking about for a while and with leaving your job. And I know you've traveled a lot. So just there's this concept, you, you said it to me on the pre-show here, but lifestyle design. So I guess first, what in the heck is lifestyle design? What does that mean? And, and how would you encourage listeners to think about that? Sure. So I think in today's day and age, it's really, really easy. And I'm guilty of it myself, Phil. I'm not going to lie. It's something I still struggle with to this day. But I, I think I at least have perspective and a North Star that I'm charging towards. But in today's day and age, it's really, really easy to get stuck in this loop of like grind 24 7 and yep. just not being able to shut it off. A, with COVID, a lot of people work from home, which is a blessing and a curse because the lines are a little bit blurred in terms of work and, and, uh, and home life. Um, but then just social media and just information's everywhere with chat GPT and these AI tools and the internet and books, like it's just a constant flow of information. Um, and, uh, it's really, really tough to, to turn that off and, 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 uh, for certain people and, and get out of that grind mode. Um, so I think it's super important to take a step back and ask the question to yourself, like, why am I grinding? what do I really want? Do I need to be taking on additional workloads or jobs? Am I, am I take, do I want to start this business because I love that topic or is it just more money? And do I need that money? If you don't need the money and you're not passionate about buying that business, and it's just more money on top of the money you already have. I'd have to ask you, what's the point? There, right. I, I, I don't see the point, but it's hard to get stuck it's easy. Sorry. It's easy to get stuck in that cycle because it's more money. It's easy. Why not do it? Um, so that's one component of it, Phil. And then I'd say the other thing is when you have the opportunity, which is something I just did, uh, before you're kind of stuck, uh, somewhere, choose where you want to live. It's probably outside of who you marry. Um, you know, where you live in my opinion is one of the most important factors of your happiness. So I knew I, uh, I loved it out in Southern California. Uh, I did not want to be stuck in Philadelphia for, uh, for the rest of my life. Philly, great, great city, but not for me. I'm a big weather guy, uh, nor did I want to be stuck in Boston. So I was like, all right, before me and my fiance, Audrey have kids, we gotta, I need to get us to where I want to live. Cause I knew, I knew as soon as we had kids that it'd become a heck of a lot harder to get out of there. And I didn't want to get stuck. So I'm like, let me get to where we want to be. And then we'll have a family. Um, so I think just thinking about like where you want to live, what you want your day to look like also, um, and, uh, how you want to be spending your time, what you want to be spending it on are things that like, you should take time to think about. You're not wasting time thinking about these things. It's otherwise you're pretty much just running on a hamster wheel with no direction. And, so, and I think you came from a spot where you left your W2. So now you had, you had this time and you can kind of build that lifestyle back up. But there's a lot of people that they're working a W-2. Maybe they're in a specific location, so they can't do that. Sure. I don't think it changes the main message, which is think about this, write it down, and then pair what you're doing with what you like, what what this lifestyle or what you want your life to look like, and see where things mesh and can fit together. Or maybe the result is, look, this is what I want, and I just can't get there. That might be an outcome. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of ways to merge these things together and, and make it work or certainly make it better than it is today. 
Sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there you, you can't necessarily do all these things tomorrow, depending on the situation you're in, but you can certainly write down your goals, write down your vision and understand what your North star is and then start taking steps towards that because maybe you're stuck at a W2 today and you don't have the income and you have, I'll be candid, Phil, to me, I hear that. And that's a whole bunch of excuses because I was in that position. I knew at a certain point when I was working the W2 that I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I knew I wanted to be doing X, Y, and Z. And I wrote down those goals and I took, I did everything in my power to start saving money, to start making changes over time so that I could have the freedom to make those choices. So when I hear, Oh, it must be nice. Oh, you know, I don't have the means to do that. It's easy for so-and-so to say for a lot of people, including myself, I, it wasn't handed to me. I, I was intentional about it and worked right. towards it. And these people can do the same thing too. You can, it's not going to be tomorrow, but write down your goals, start working towards it. And if you're, you're serious about it, I'm a big believer that anything within reason is possible. I think people sell themselves very, very short. I think if you're adamant about something, you make it a sole focus and you charge hard towards it, you can accomplish that goal a hundred percent. Yep. And I think like, so your situation, someone, you were in a role where you had a W2. I, I also talked to a lot of business owners that feel like they're just consumed by their business. So, like there is a writing down your goals and then slowly taking steps towards the path of like, maybe you need to hire out a little bit more. Maybe you give away a little bit of your income to your team members so that you can free up your time a little bit. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. The first step is writing down what you want, why you want it, getting really clear on that. And then just start, start honestly networking with others that can figure it out, educating yourself and move in that direction. So I, I think whether it's W2, business ownership, just getting clarity um, on, the, on the last or one of the last episodes we released, like the, the key word to success for somebody was just getting clarity, get clear on what you want and then start taking steps. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be perfect to start, right? You're not going to have all the answers, but just some sort of framework, take action. And you're going to, I promise you, you're going to iterate on your vision. Like you'll look back on it in five years and laugh, but it's better to have some sort of vision based on where you are now and document it and start charging towards it and reevaluate than get all, you know, perfectionist about it and uh, and be like, I don't know, and get overwhelmed because it's really easy to get caught in that cycle. And then you take no action, nothing happens. So just jot something down, progress or perfection, and then iterate off it as you go. Love it, man. Good stuff. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about just some some factors to success, books, things like that. want to get your input on what has really influenced you over the last several years. So first, if you were to say a key factor to success for you um, what would that be? Yeah, I, I think I would stay on the same theme and say, knowing what you want, asking for it, and taking action. I think taking action, I'm a big, just like fire, you know, trial by fire type of guy. I'll educate myself enough, but then take that, uh, that leap of faith. And also, I think a big catalyst is just surrounding yourself with uh, the right people. So whether that's mastermind groups or just networking and surrounding yourself and learning from the people who are already doing what you want to do 
just will expedite your learning curve and uh and 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 show you that it's possible right if you see people already doing it it's just kind of like a mindset shift i love it man there's honestly you named three that are like in my at the at the end of the podcast listeners will hear kind of five, you know five different things that i talk about and you just hit three of them in that 30 second clip so love it um what is a personal habit that you are pers- that you are working on today working on improving yeah, it's, that's a, that's a tough, uh, tough question, Phil. So, um, this is just like a random one, but, um, I, I'm trying to, I was, I did get in a good routine of eating dinner early, um, which I feel like is, ex- or I know is, uh, an extremely important part of, uh, your sleep cycle, your health, you know, just your body physique, the whole nine yards. Um, and I was eating at like five or 6 PM or something crazy and, uh, not eating for three, four hours before bed. And I've just gotten back into a bad habit of eating at like 8 PM or something. Oh no! Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm trying to dial that back again, um, and, and stop eating, you know, a couple hours before bed. So, all right, we'll have to report back on that, Jake. Let <laughs> me know how it goes. Um, favorite business or real estate book. So my, I don't think this one will ever change and it's thinking grow rich by Napoleon Hill. I freaking love that book. I, uh, I read it for the first time when I was 18, it changed everything for me. Um, I have probably read it 20 times, 30 times back, you know, front to back since then and skimmed through it hundreds of times in terms of the highlighted portions, but really every self-development book out there right now is based off of that book. So like, what are, what are three major, two or three, whatever, major takeaways from that book? Yeah. So one of them is a lot of what we were talking about today, uh, definitiveness of purpose and just knowing. So he, at the beginning of the book talks about, uh, like writing down, like, Hey, I want to make, and, and thinking grow rich, by the way, isn't just about money. It gets into, in really any aspect of life. But hey, I want this. Um, he gives an example. You have to write down, I want this amount of money by this date. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to accomplish it, like being super specific. And then reading that statement every morning and every night uh, to program it into your subconscious. Um, another thing to that point is just like affirmations and yep. programming your, uh, your subconscious beliefs. One of my favorite chapters is uh, I think it's like the six ghosts of fear or something like that and he goes through like the human reasons why we were scared uh to to fail and he goes through all the specific reasons like fear of poverty fear of uh you know health all these different like underlying reasons why when you break down why we're scared about something it's always one of those six reasons so it's just full of such good content and it it sounds like like I haven't, I read that, but it's been a while. It sounds like like different parts of that book are going to hit you at different times in your life too. And it, and I think you you summarized a lot of it. I don't want you to summarize the entire book because I want people to go get it and read it. But I appreciate that. That's some great input. Um, what about a personal development like personal development book? Let less maybe a little bit less business related. Yeah. Um... There's a couple that I've read recently. One one of my uh one of my favorites is the Untethered Soul. Okay. Um and 
also Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. So both those books kind of just talk about uh, being present uh, and energy sources. So things that I believe uh, in a lot and um, people might think they're super woo woo, but you know, there's science behind it. And I, I, uh, I think that there's a big component of everyday life in terms of like the energy you put out there yep. and um, how your energy drives to someone else's energy and like everything in this world is energy, right? Like it's, it's physics. So it, it makes sense. Um, and yeah, and being present is super important because it's easy to, to not be present in today's just, world. So uh, let those folks talk about that. It's definitely come up a couple of different times. The other thing I thought of, I'm going to jump back a little bit, like for, for my audience, Think and Grow Rich, just the phrase you said, it just triggered. It's not really a business book. Like it's not just about money. I mean, honestly, my goal of this podcast, like Moeller Real Estate and Business is a way to hopefully get people to listen and pay attention but I can bring guests on you that can bring all these nuggets of wisdom on all these other topics as well. So that's really my goal is just bring guests on that. Yes, they've had success in business or real estate or both, but they can bring in so much like success isn't usually success isn't just in one area. Quite frankly, if you're a successful person, you're probably dialed in in several areas, maybe not everybody. And hopefully this podcast and bringing people like you on can help people with that. So I super appreciate it, man. I think we could go on for a little while longer, but, I got to wrap up. I do want to ask you, how can, how can people find out more about you? Where, where can they go to, to, to look you up? Yeah, sure. So my Instagram is just jake.r.rosenthal. Uh, so you can check me out there. And then um, also my website, which is purelegacies, P-U-R-E, the word legacies.com. Awesome, man. Well, this has been great. Again, I, we talked about so much just the Short-term rentals, real estate wisdom, leaving your job, lifestyle design. We got into sales a little bit or just the, the, the thought process when you have your job. Some great book recommendations throughout. So I really appreciate it, Jake. This has been great. Uh, but with that, we have to sign off. So thanks, everyone, and have a fantastic day. Thanks, Phil. Thank you for listening to the Mole Real Estate and Business Podcast. We hope you found today's episode helpful. If you know current or aspiring investors or entrepreneurs or anyone that would benefit from today's episode, we appreciate you sharing it with them or better yet, providing us a five-star review. To learn more about Moeller Real Estate, visit our website at www.moellerre.com. You can also sign up for our newsletter or local events via our website. In closing, I encourage you to be purposeful in all areas of life, educate yourself, network with others that have been successful, take action and lead. Thank you.